Okay, our next message will be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, To Those Set Apart. Good afternoon, everyone. In case you didn't hear, Carolyn is doing better. She's a little bit more sore than she was the last time she had knee surgery, but she's got uh, two uh, metal knees now. I think that's what, what it is. And uh, I always used to think, well, if she walked close to metal or if I had a magnet, you know, I'd just play a trick on her and see if it's stuck. But uh, it doesn't work like that, she said. But she's doing fine. It's just a matter of time. She's getting around slow, but surely, I think, might be another week or so, so uh, we'll see. I'd like to begin in uh, John chapter 9, where Jesus said in verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. And he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And verse 6, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he, appoint, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay so uh, the uh, occasion of this of these words of Jesus was at this particular healing of a blind man and he told the blind man he said unto him in verse 7 go wash in the pool of Siloam which is by interpretation sent that's the meaning of Siloam and he went his way therefore and he washed and he came seeing so the blind man was sent there to uh, the pool of Siloam, called sent. And when you put it together, you know, Jesus was sent by the Father. And he sent the blind man to the pool to receive his sight, to, ha to be cured of his blindness. Now we know that Jesus had only uh, an allotted time in which to fulfill his ministry and the will and the purpose of God. And this was one of the many miracles that Jesus did while he was on the earth among men. But he knew that there comes the night when death comes and work is over. So Jesus came as the light of the world to preach the good news of salvation and the coming kingdom of God, which we heard about earlier, and teach also repentance. We know that light is a descriptive of the nature of Christ. In John chapter five, uh, 1 and verse 5 it says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him but walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. From all sin. If we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned. We make him a liar. And his word is not in us. We also see that Jesus, in the light of his word, that's descriptive of, of his showing us through his word the power that he has, the uh, direction and the, uh, the guidance. So his word is like a guidebook, you know, a light, an instruction book. In, in the psalm, it says that the word... Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There are many bright lights that we have in our society today. You know, they make these uh, flashlights of all different varieties and things. And uh, um, I usually go sometimes to the Harbor Freight because I can buy something there and they'll give me this light that's free. But... Uh, Recently, my son gave me a set of flashlights, and they're very small, and uh, I, don't, I don't know what I could have done without that kind of light, because you can use that light, you know, you can push forward, and it will uh, increase the uh, radius of the light, or uh, pull it back, and it's just a, like a spotlight. And when you have that kind of light, you're able to see in the darkness and some lights are brighter than others so Christ and God the Father are their nature is light and we can understand that as uh, them being able to inform us about knowledge and wisdom and direction or we can see that as like the speed of light anyway Jesus came as a light of the world and we find that he, uh, light is also descriptive of the disciples that Jesus taught because the disciples are transformed people like these in, in, like these Philip, uh, Philippians were and he said to them for you were sometimes darkness but now are you light in the Lord and he said, walk as children of light. Know your path. Know which way, uh, what, where you're going. Follow that path. Follow the light. In verse 9, and I'm looking in Ephesians 5, chapter 5. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Those are things that concern the light. And verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord we know that plants need light in order to grow and that we ourselves need the light of God's word to help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ of course we add water to it to, uh, to uh, keep uh, things flowing keep the spirit uh, of life flowing so Jesus came as the light of the world 
to preach the good news about salvation and repentance and the coming kingdom of God. But before he gave uh, his life upon the cross, when that darkness came, he commissioned his disciples to carry on and to do the work. And after his death, his disciples would be his light, living in him and working the works of God. And he told them in verse 14 that you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. So they too, the disciples we know, had an allotted time to be a light unto the world. Even as we, as disciples, as members in particular in the church of God, as his disciples, have an allotted time also in our life today. Now, what is that work? One could say it is bringing others to fellowship with Christ and God the Father. One could say it also includes working out our own salvation. And maybe we wonder about what particular work it is that we should be doing. And are we doing it? In answer to that, is it not to be working righteousness, doing the things that we find in the word of God, applying them to our life, making it become a part of the light that we shine in our paths before us as we go through the world. Over in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, and the word here is hagioi, I don't know, but hagioi, close as I can come to it. It means those set apart. Those set apart, the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. So here's a letter that is meant for all the saints and the leadership at the church in, in Philippi. And it says to them, these words as it says to us because this letter has come down to us in our time today. According to Halley's Bible handbook this church at Philippi was established by Paul and Timothy around 61 AD. It's also known that Luke the physician also had a hand in keeping the church on on track. But it was now about a decade later and the church still remained faithful to the work of God and to the gospel of Christ and to the support of the apostle Paul. So Paul made it known to them that he took joy in all of that, seeing that they were sharing the gospel, helping him in sharing the gospel. And every time he thought about the church at Philippi and the people, because he mentions some people's names there at Philippi. He said every time. In every remembrance of you. I thank my God. Verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine. For you all. Making request with joy. For your fellowship. In the gospel. From the first day until now. And he said in verse 6. Being confident. Of this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in you 
will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul saw in their support of him and the gospel that he which had began a good work in them will continue it. He saw that they were had love toward him and they were grounded in the faith and they remain, remain faithful. So Paul is sure, he's confident that the saints in Philippi will continue growing and transforming their lives until Christ. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're doing now. So this statement in verse 6 also assures us that the Lord is committed to a good work to be done in those who have fellowship in the gospel. And in verse 9, this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So why is this important? That your love abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. So verse 10 we see that you may approve things that are excellent. Things that have you know, high value and worth. That you may be sincere. That is without hypocrisy. And without offense. You know being untainted by, by the world and blameless. Till the day of Christ. So we know that in this world there's a lot of words. There's a lot of deeds. There's a lot of things that amounts to pretty much garbage. There might be some truth to the words and the deeds, but it's like garbage. It's like, you know there's something in the garbage and you go digging around in it. But at the same time, you become tainted by what's, uh, what's in there. So one has to be careful. So that in verse 10, that you may approve things that are excellent. Without offense, being, you know, untainted by the world and blameless. So how do we approve things that are excellent? Is there steps that we can put into our hearts and minds that will lead and guide us in, in that direction? Verse 11 says, by being filled with the fruits of, the, of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. We go over to Galatians 5 and read once again that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, uh, goodness, and faith, meekness, and temperance, against which such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. And in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit so knowing how to apply the fruits of the spirit knowing how to apply the knowledge and once we gain that knowledge then we have to walk in love or walk in patience or, or in faith and it also depends on Christ abiding in us in verse 3 of, uh, chapter 3 that uh, says now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you 
Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit, no more can you except you abide in me. So we have to abide in Christ. Abide in his word. Go by the light that he shines in front of us. So if you abide in verse, I'm dropping down to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. In addition to that, we have to yield to God. Romans 6.22 says, Now being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the, and the end everlasting life. Verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 1. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. All these things that are virtues that you add to when you study the word of God. Verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound... They make you that you shall neither, neither be barren nor uh, uh, unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and he cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things you shall never fail. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you and abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, it has to be, we have to abide in Christ and yield to God and his, and his words. And to have the kind of knowledge that will guide us through life. But how much knowledge do we have? How much wisdom do we have? Do we abound in knowledge? <clears throat> and what kind of knowledge is it? How do we use it? Where does it come from? So to have knowledge we know is to have wisdom. It's to have sense. That is, you know, like common sense. So in order to abound in knowledge it takes a study, it takes a love for learning, and then to use it in judgment in order to make, you know, right decisions in life and have just a helpful understanding and insight in, in, in our life. In Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through your commandments have made me wiser. And wiser than mine enemies. For they are ever with me. And we see in Proverbs 1, 7. That it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom. And they despise instruction. So as 2 Timothy as Paul says says for us to study to show yourselves uh, show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth but shun profane 
and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their uh, word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. So we must be careful to avoid foolish discussions and talk that can lead people into sin and into anger and into having a bad attitude. But, you know, many today get caught up in today's world of caustic and misleading debate where truth and decency just gets lost in the shuffle of words. Not really iron sharpening iron, but more the clashing of, of, uh, in a fight of sword, of swords clashing. Apparently, in Philippi, there were two women who had some sort of disagreement ongoing and was causing uh, disharmony. So Paul brought up their names in the letter, saying in chapter 4, verse 2, that he, that I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So apparently they were not in the same mind. They were in some sort of disagreement. These two labored for the gospel, but what was their agreement is not known. And, you know, in the book of Amos it says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And if you're not agreed, you're bound to have some kind of a split or schism or something that will divide. Verse 3, and I entreat you also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Though they had disagreements, though they had, uh, uh, were creating some disharmony, their names were written in the book of life because Jesus Christ died for them just as he died for us and that our sins can be forgiven once we realize uh, what we need to repent of. So Paul continues there in uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 21. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, we know that Paul was an apostle. He was a missionary, a missionary for Christ missionary to the to the Gentiles and whether he lived or died he would be in that cause so he had sufferings he had stoning he had he was a castaway he was bitten by a poisonous snake he was in need he was in hunger he was arrested and he was beaten and he was in prison and that's why he at the end he said I have fought the good fight of faith it didn't make him turn his eyes away from uh, the aim of the prize. But, you know, we don't serve in the same way, yet we make Christ the central part of our life. And <clears throat> we do so in other ways with that same faithful attitude that Paul had, that Christ exemplified, and that also ha leads us. Well, one of the easiest scriptures to remember. Is for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. So we have many trials. We overcome it. And Paul reminds the readers. That he can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens him. And that is something that we too. Often use in our life. And we are written. In a book of life. And to know that says a lot about 
why we should stand fast in the Lord and keep on believing and working. First Corinthians 2.9 says that it is written that I has not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. That is, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ and his teachings and live as, as a decent citizen. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is to come an evident token of perdition but to you of salvation and that of God. So you know in life there will be oppositions in various forms and ways but it will lead the opposers to ruin but to Christians. Those that endure the afflictions and the onslaught and those who stand fast in the Lord it leads to reward. Verse 29, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's over in Romans 12, verses 1 through uh, two. So we're to walk in the light of God's word. John 11, 9 and 10 says to walk in the day. That way you won't stumble. Because if you walk in the night, you're bound to stumble. And we are to walk in the light of God's word. And Romans 6, 4 says to walk in newness of life. And to walk in good works. Ephesians 2 Verse 10 says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And that also, Ephesians 5 tells us that we're to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, and make the most of whatever time we have in this life to be a light. <clears throat> Verse uh, 2 there. To be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippians chapter 2. We see some examples of, of Christian conduct. Verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love. If any fellowship of the spirit. If any bowels uh, and mercies. As believers. You know in the gospel of Christ. And in his word. Led by the spirit of God. The father. There is a call. For spiritual unity. And harmony. And so we see these four things. That will lead. That will lead us to that. Consolation in Christ. You know having comfort. And hope. And trust. In the Lord. And comfort of love. 
knowing that as his children we are loved that he cares for us and in fellowship of the spirit that's our drawing together in, in fellowship in brotherhood bonded by the Holy Spirit and sharing uh, and encouraging and exhorting even, even one another and that there are bowels of mercy you know tenderness and compassion having uh, having love and concern for one another and praying for them fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind and verse 3 let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves so that's how the church can get along people can get along that there can be a relationship that makes for solid uh, unity and harmony but it would it would be a joy if we could all be like-minded but you know we know that there are differences they're philosophical they're religious spiritual there are political differences doctrinal but whatever the differences we should be humble and not do anything out of contention or selfish ambition in word or deed verse 3 instructs us again that in the spirit of humility esteem other more highly than self that is consider others before we uh, ourselves and not have that me first uh, attitude <clears throat> but to have spirit to have the spirit of pride in human relation does show a lack of humility toward God. Romans chapter 12 it says to let love be without dissimulation and abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. So we're always faced day to day a choice between what is not good in the world what's not good for us but what is evil that is not good for us and then there's the good that we have to search out and understand verse 10 be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another so instead of uh, concentrating on, on self on self uh, on the self have concern also for others verse 4 in Philippians chapter 2 look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others you know don't it doesn't say to be nosy but at least be aware of someone who may have need who may have need of something that you might be able to physically uh, supply them with or spiritually a prayer verse 5 let this mind be in you that was which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God this word form here means having the very essence the very essence of God John 1 14 tells us and the word was made flesh dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth verse 7 but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man he divested himself of his deity and his glory to live as a human and he took on the nature that is the form or morphe 
of a servant. Verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So as any human, he was subject to temptation. He was subject to pain, to sorrows, and, and, and to death, and all those things that we experience in our lives. But he did not sin. And he took our, but he took our sins to the cross to die in our place. Verse 9, wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. So the extent of his sovereignty will be over things, these things that, that we see here. Verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12, wherefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. To put into practice, you know, what God has revealed through, through the light of his word. And live in them. Not make up our own righteousness. Or uh, make up our own way of salvation. But to live according to the will of God. As it appears in his word. Verse 13. For it is God which works in you. Both to will. And to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings. And disputings. That ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. On to chapter 3 we have the, you know exhortations to do all things you know without murmurings or disputing and this is an issue that you know people enjoy doing you know to murmur and, and to have disputing which can take away whatever joy and rejoicing we might find in obeying the word of God. Instead, Paul says we are to rejoice in the Lord. <clears throat> in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. But for you, it is safe. So, Paul mentions some things that they've already heard before. Topics that they've heard before. But he mentions them again because to him they're not grievous words or words that uh, put a burden upon the ears. But for you, he said, it is safe. It is something safe to abide by. So this letter of Paul, however, mentions this word rejoice uh, many times. And maybe this is what the, Phil the church at Philippi needed. They needed joy. They needed rejoicing. And maybe this is what we all need today. Verse 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. But there were some who insisted on physical works of the flesh as necessary for salvation. But it is of the spirit that works in us that leads to salvation. Verse 14. I press toward the mark 
for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So it is through Christ Jesus that we accomplish and we uh, work and we meet this high calling of God. So let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk. So as you have us for an example. So there are many that we come across in our life who relate to us how they have experienced life and how they have overcome trials and troubles. And we see them and we take them as an example that if this... Uh, this, all the people, the crowds that we have, see them, this great body that, that is like watching us. We are an example, that, as they are an example of, of suffering and overcoming. <clears throat> Verse uh, 18, for many walk, <clears throat> of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. The last chapter, chapter 4, we find in verses 1 through 9 some enabling objectives to Christian living. Verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast, in the Lord, my dearly beloved, I beseech Eodius and Syntyche that, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat you also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. That is to live in an unselfish way. Good to one another. And in the spirit of love and faith and kindness. And not in the lusts of the flesh. Because it says the Lord is at hand. He's near. He's close. Even taking account and knowing what we think and what we say and do. So be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So whatever things concern us, pray about it. Cast your care upon the Lord. But as James tells us to let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Philippians 4 again, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Now this peace is from, from above and it, and it revives us. It assures us. It gives us comfort. It gives us peace. A peace of mind that says in a way to us that everything is going to be all right. Sometimes it takes patience and, uh, and continuing prayer. But that peace of mind is from above. You remember uh, the song, uh, Let There Be Peace on Earth and, and let, it begin, let It Begin With Me. So that's where it all starts. It starts in our hearts and, and in our mind with how we think and, and what we do. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on those things. So those are wholesome words that will free our mind from uh, negativity, negative thinking, and thoughts of, of waywardness and, and doubt. These are the things that promote peace of mind. Frees us from negative thinking again. You know, in our world today, we, we notice that there are conflicts, that there is disharmony. But this letter of Paul to the Philippians still reaches out, and it reaches out to us today. So those things, he says in verse 9, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. <clears throat> there are scriptures in Revelation 2 where it says, I know your works. It, say, it says that to each uh, of the churches that are, are mentioned. He knows our patience. He knows our tribulations. He knows our poverty. Poverty. He knows our suffering. He knows about our overcoming and the sacrifices. And this we know. Uh, that God is not unrighteous to forget your works and labor of love. Which you have showed toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. But up back at verse 9, it says, Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, uh, though we thus speak. Verse 12 says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So there are many that we know who have endured a whole lot of burdens in their life. But they have not given it up. They're still pressing for the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So to those that are set apart here in the book of Philippians. <clears throat> we know in scripture it says to be holy. For I am holy. And that to these Philippians. We have these conclusion. Uh, uh, these points that will conclude. The sermon. This afternoon. One is that we, re we remain. 
in Christ. Remain faithful. And stand fast. Stand firm in the Lord. And to rejoice in the Lord always. For our conversation is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior. That we should do all things without murmuring and, and complaining and disputing. And also to remember this, where we, where we begin at the beginning, that being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ.